Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Morning Footy presented by Degree. It won't let you down. Here's a look at the midweek MLS results. Inter Miami get the 4-0 win over Toronto. DC United and Atlanta United end in a 1-1 draw. St. Louis City and LAFC, no goals scored. I was wow. actually shocked when I saw that result. Crazy. Portland Timbers get a 2-1 win. They are now above the playoff line in the West, which is wild. And the LA Galaxy beat Minnesota United 4-3. There's a lot of moving and shuffling in the standings right now. Let's get into, though, Inter-Miami taking on Toronto FC. Every point is important. Every game is important. They needed this win after losing to Atlanta last weekend as they try to push their way into the, the postseason. This was uh, a convincing a convincing mm. win. Mm. No? <laughs> mm. So, obviously, the headline is Messi and Jordi Alba's injuries, which we'll talk about later. Yes. The first half in this game was so bad. And even Tata Martino admitted it at halftime when he gives the interview to Apple TV in Spanish. He says, there's nothing to take away from that first half. Um, only a goal. We're up ahead. It was a goalkeeper mistake. Farias was great to put, to put it back. And then Toronto is just so bad that Inter-Miami showed their quality. Toronto, I know I'm not discovering anything new, but seeing them well for 90 minutes, you usually don't get to look at the worst team in Major League Soccer. Eyes are more concentrated towards the top of the table. John Herman is going to have a lot of work to do because they lack dynamism. They are not collective. They are full of imprecisions. They're just not a good soccer team. And Inter-Miami, when... When push came to shove in the second half and they picked up the pace with a couple of subs, Kremashi came in and, and Farias was a little bit more on the ball. They showed a little bit more collectiveness. They put four goals past him, man. And I'm worried about Toronto. De- Devin Kerr that. should have finished, by the way. I mean, he broke through. There was a bad play for Inter-Miami. Yeah. Two chances But that, that's, that's part of, of, of that, why they're not clinical and why they're right. poor at the moment. And at the same time, how Inter-Miami are vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, to, to good teams. If, if TFC is Cincinnati, to, I agree. You or can't. St. Louis or LAFC, they're, they're down. I don't think you can read much. You can't, you can't read too much into this result because no. it was the last 
well, worst team in the league, essentially. If you take a bird's eye view of it, these used to be the two worst teams in the league. Correct. Yeah. And Correct. now one of them was able to put four a, a, a part or put four on the other team without their biggest star. And to me, that is probably the most embarrassing part. It's not just the injuries. Is how many fans left that stadium after Messi mm. came off the pitch? Mm. I mean, you kind of expect it, but you sort of hate to see it in real time. Mm, I think that's a Twitter narrative. I wanted to stay oh, really? to see Robert Taylor. Uh, I, 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 I don't, I'm not too sure too many fans left. Okay. A couple might have. If they did, they, the they might have missed. Full. The crowd wasn't full to begin with, but it wasn't empty when Messi left. I don't think a significant amount of fans left. And the GOAT ended up scoring two goals at the end the of the goat. day. They came it, to see Robert Taylor. Wasn't it tough? Wednesday nights are tough. I, if you look honestly, Everyone if you were watching, that. if you were watching all huh? the matches last Wednesday night, nights. there was yeah. a lot of yeah. There's there was a it's it's a hard it's a hard and, ex- so it's and expensive on a on a on a hundred percent. Yeah, rain the humidity. In the group chat, I said they were all leaving to go see kicking it. That's what I'm getting out of there. That's the thing too. That's, yeah, I had multiple screens on last night. Oh, there was a lot to do. iPad. It was very. It was going. very overwhelming. The whole um, day. <laughs> so a lot of the results last night though were actually quite favorable to Miami in mm-hmm. their their push. So here's a look at the Eastern Conference standings. The top half of the East. This is how it looks right now. Um, we had a few teams clinch as well. FC Cincinnati had already clinched the postseason, but Orlando City, Columbus, and Philadelphia with their results all clinched spots in the postseason. Um, but we had, like, I, there were the draw between Montreal and Cincinnati. Columbus Crew beat the Chicago Fire. The D.C. only get a point against Atlanta United. These are all favorable results for Miami as they're, you know, trying to trying to get up to that Is ninth and final possible? spot. I don't know. I don't know. It's getting tighter. NYCFC in Orlando probably doesn't help either. That didn't help. You know? Yes. Come on, dude. And then now you gotta, uh, <laughs> I mean, you still got to win in Orlando on Sunday, which I imagine Jordi Alba and Messi are not going to play. No, not no with way. the finals no, coming up. Yeah, no chance. So, okay. Can they get it done? That's going to be a good test. I think this game's a wash. Move on to Sunday. Where's Inter Miami without Messi and Jordi Alba against Orlando? That's going to be a great test. Yeah. Not to actually confirm last night they're not going to play against Oh, then done. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty right. obvious. Uh, let's get into another a wild one from last night. This one in the Western Conference, the LA Galaxy hosting Minnesota United. Minnesota Ooh. started the night in playoff contention. They were in eighth, and they actually took a 3-1 lead into halftime. Look at that, Diego Fagundes. Mid-season trade gets the winner. Wow. For wow. LA Galaxy. Wow. And, and this was massive for both, both you, sides. This is a six-point swing. Six. Six-pointer, LA it. Galaxy. I mean, if they don't get in the playoffs, um, there's going to be a, even more questions asked. But Minnesota to fall out of the playoff contention mm. right Actually, now. What are your thoughts on L.A.? Because, Nico, you said this yesterday, that if they don't get in the playoffs, major changes happen. I said that. Remember, yes. because our, our whole that. issue, yes. we, we, we were that. all talking about, because remember when Chris Klein presented his letter to, to the fans, and he said, if we don't make the playoffs, I'll resign. He resigned much earlier because of pressure on the club. And, but... LA Galaxy not making the playoffs is the most successful team in MLS history not making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And we got to hold them to the standard yeah. that they should this, be held at. And it's, does the crisis continue? We were talking about LA Galaxy possibly at rock bottom at the beginning of the season, but they don't make the playoffs. Yeah. But this is a this yeah. is one of More those matches where I feel like it can kind of galvanize a team because they were down. I mean, they went down early in this game. And then to to come back and 
at home in front of your fans, showing some fight, showing that they they still want this, that there is something to, to play for. I think it can be one of those moments. I, I need to look at the rest of their remaining schedule mm. to see what their path would look like. But Minnesota has a tough road ahead. They, their next game this weekend is at home against St. Louis, who are on top of the Western Conference standings. Which, by the way, LA, they play Galaxy, LAFC. LA Galaxy reached out and they said, thank you for wearing the sneakers. Uh, <laughs> oh, wearing LA no. Galaxy sneakers yesterday when they were playing Minnesota. Uh, but to give, you, to give you an idea of the next remaining um, fixtures, oh, there it is right there. There it is. They go to Austin. They're at home against Portland. They go off to Seattle, go, go to Minnesota, okay. and then at home against RSL. Not the easiest schedule, it's, especially the way Portland is yeah. playing right now. Portland, coach bump. Yep, <laughs> serious. Portland, seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, who would have thought? I looked at the standings this morning, and I was like, wow. you have got to be kidding. And <laughs> for the Galaxy, amid absences like Chicharitos, for Billy Sharp to come in, he is Billy edge. Sharp! Yeah. Who would have thought? Hat, hat trick from Billy trick. Sharp. Cutting edge. Wait, what, what's this? Billy Sharp. Billy Sharp. It's a good chant. I, uh, oh, and he deserves all the flowers because to come in like that, hot. Hit the ground running. Wild. Agreed. Impressive. <laughs> it is impressive. Hot. Massive. Massive three points for the LA Galaxy. Um, all right, guys, we're going to take a break. Alex Ross Martin is going to be back with some headlines when we return. Don't go anywhere. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back. Here's a look at your Thursday footy fix. We have some Europa League and Conference League action to look forward to. Lask taking on my beloved Liverpool at 12.45 p.m. Ajax versus Marseille at 3 p.m. In Conference League, we have Club Bruges versus Besiktas at 3. Frankfurt will take on Aberdeen at 12.45 p.m. And don't forget the U.S. Women's National Team playing in that friendly 7.30 p.m. on TNT. You guys haven't even mentioned. I saw it, and I'm like, yo, the oh, Jurgen Klopp no. shirt. My Jurgen Klopp shirt that I yeah. wore just for today. It's wow. so dope. I, they can't see it because I didn't your, even your, notice. I think you're Me either. So this is, um, there. I, I don't think this guy does it anymore, but there was a site called Badly Drawn Footballers, and he would do, they are so funny. Like the Harry Kane one was hysterical, but this is Jurgen Klopp. Look at that. <gasps> Isn't it good? Looks like Walter White. It does a little Heisenberg. bit. Heisenberg. A little bit. Yo, Ten Hag looks like that. If you put a little bucket hat and glasses oh, on. Oh, no, we talked about that yes. yesterday. Yeah. I was like, he well, looks can't like Brian Cranston I can't in Breaking it. Bad. Also and looks like, freaking me out. Also looks like Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay. Oh, jeez. No. Okay. All right. Chuck, really? Uh, um, well, welcome back to Headlines, huh? We got headlines? All right. Allie. <laughs> Do we have headlines to read possibly? We got headlines. I, uh, headlines. I think we just yes. made yes. one. Also, Suze, <laughs> those, uh, those matches, we'll be talking about those on Scoreline later on tonight. Yeah. Oh. Oh, new show alert. New show bing, alert. Bing, 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 bing. So uh, 
tune into that. But uh, in international news, as we get into our headlines, the Poland men's national team has hired Mihail Probisch as the new coach. Probisch steps up from his role as Poland's U21 coach in a deal that will run through qualifying for the 2026 World Cup. Poland fired Fernando Santos after a poor start to Euro qualifying that had the Polish team sitting in fourth place in its five-team Euro qualifying group. Santos held the job for less than nine months. In women's coaching news, England national team coach Serena Begman has been chosen to lead the Great Britain Olympic team if England succeeds in qualifying for the Paris Olympics. England is the Great Britain representative in qualifying, and if the Lionesses qualify, then the Great Britain Olympic team would be able to draw players from all four countries that make up Great Britain. England just needs to top their UEFA Nations League group, which includes Netherlands, Belgium, and Scotland. And in more women's soccer news, San Diego Wave and U.S. women's national team star Alex Morgan has been issued an undeclosed fine for comments criticizing the officiating in the Wave's most recent NWSL match against the Kansas City Current. Morgan was the target of a questionable challenge from KC defender Stina Balasagra-Peterson and criticized the challenge and the referee for not punishing the challenge with a red card or penalty. U.S. men's national team defender Reggie Cannon is closing in on his next club move after leaving Portuguese side Boa Vista due to unpaid wages. The 25-year-old American is set to sign with English League Championship side Queen's Park Rangers. Cannon spent three seasons at Boa Vista but became a free agent this summer after having his contract voided due to Boa Vista failing to pay his salary. And in Major League Soccer news, Inter-Miami returned to winning ways last night, but their 4-0 win over Toronto FC came at a cost, with Lionel Messi forced out of the match after just 37 minutes. Messi started last night after missing Argentina's World Cup qualifier against Bolivia and Inter-Miami's loss at Atlanta United last weekend. But he was forced out early, as was Jordi Alba, who left last night's match two minutes before Messi. Miami head coach Tata Martino confirmed that Messi and Alba would be forced to miss more time, saying, quote, we have to go day by day, see the medical report, see what they themselves tell us, we'll monitor them and we'll think about it. Obviously, there's no chance that they'll play on Sunday. Inter-Miami is set to visit Orlando City on Sunday before hosting the Houston Dynamo in the U.S. Open Cup final on Wednesday. Martino acknowledged that Messi and Alba would not be risked in the final if they are not fully recovered. All right, so Nico, did Tata make a mistake in risking Messi and Alba against a, an already struggling TFC side that Miami handled just fine even after Messi and Alba left the game? Or what do you make of the managerial decisions here with their minutes? It wasn't just a managerial decision. Messi and Jordi Alba probably made decisions that I would imagine, considering what we know at this point, Messi and Jordi Alba were going into that game not 100%. And there was a conversation had between Tata, Messi, and Jordi Alba. If you guys are not 100%, let me know, and I'll take you guys off. And Messi, from what we know now, even reports out of Argentina from the beat report of the national team that is very close to Messi's camp, was saying that he's got muscle fatigue in his hamstring and he gets muscle fatigue at this. That's why he sat out against Bolivia and he, he does get that muscle fatigue. And, and sometimes it feels more fatigue, sometimes it feels less fatigue. And Messi probably felt he was ready to go, but he didn't want to risk it. You could tell that he wasn't pushing it. The way that he was walking the field... More than usual, I was say. very yeah. far, very far away from the team. You could tell that he wasn't hundred percent. And at one point, he said, "Hey, I don't feel great. Sub me off, because we got a final on Wednesday." So, in your opinion, there's no way he's missing that final. 
That's why I'm pretty sure Messi asked for the sub. My dad was at the game, mm. and he said he asked for the sub. He asked for the sub before Jordi Alba got subbed off. He saw it. My dad is like, my, I know my dad I went there and he, studies. and he tracked mm. Messi the whole time. Messi I know that. Just for, eating banchero while pointing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's probably my dad. Um, and he said, the, the, uh, he, he's not okay. And probably the reason is to be as fit as possible for the final. I don't know of 100%, but to be as fit as possible we, for that game. We knew this was going to be an issue at some point because of the travel. And, and I Remember our conversation on Monday at dinner? Goes to Miami, to LA, to Argentina, to Bolivia, mm -hmm. to Miami. Mm -hmm. All in, a, in a, a 10 days time. Performing at the level that he performs. Right. So on top of being the guy for Inter Miami, having to play every match to try and gain as many points as you can, win, le win League's Cup. No preseason, by the way. US Open Cup, no preseason. It's, I was, I was astonished at how he was able to come in right off the bat and play with limited time in training. But Father Time is undefeated. Maybe. You're, you're not able to recover like you, you once used to be able to. So for players like Jordi Alba and Messi, I'm surprised Busquets is still hanging in there. Yeah. But, Spring chicken. <laughs> but He's a warrior. I, I'm, I'm happy that Messi is able to recognize, recognize. that because that's another power that athletes typically don't have or haven't mastered is saying, you know what? Mm. I've played 35 minutes in this first half. Let me push it to, 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 to halftime. That's your instinct. No, I that's, feel like even you, instinct. if you were out there and you saw the talent Toronto put out, you'd be like, they don't need me for this. No, <laughs> no, because <laughs> you're thinking, <laughs> I'll tell you right now, if, if it's me, I'm thinking goals. Yeah, yeah. I'm not coming <laughs> off. I'm going to keep pushing. Hey, this is a team I could score three, I could score four on. You know, like, hey, this, that, this is a hat trick opponent. So... I give a lot of credit to Messi for, for understanding his body and knowing, you know what, there's no need to push it, and we got a big cup final on Wednesday. It's time to pull myself out. That's very disrespectful. Hat-trick opponent, I like that. So I'm going to remember. I, I, I watched the Spanish-language broadcast mm -hmm. where things were said as they were said and not lost in translation to English. So the way that I interpreted the news going from Jordi Alba to the reporter, uh, Antonella Gonzalez, she spoke directly to Jordi Alba and he said, I pulled my hamstring. That's literally, uh, that is what he said Wow. to her. And that's what she said in her report. Wow. So my hunch is that Jordi Alba's injury is a bit worse than, than, than muscle fatigue and messy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He said wow. tiron, which means uh, strain. Yep. Which is a pull. A strain is a pull. Good intel, Nico mm. Cantor. It's just, I'm, I, I want to say it as it is, so yeah. we're not speculating loss in translation. No, no, it's important. Um, thank you for that. All right, guys, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to preview some Europa League action. Nico, how excited are you? Ooh, Shabellon Sembaya. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Play on since the referee. That's great.
Going from distance, but he's got it in his locker to score from that far out. Drama upon drama, and Montiel stares at the prize. Sevilla again and again and again. Welcome back. Europa League returns today. Here's a look at some of the notable matches you can watch on Paramount. Plus at 12.45 p.m. Eastern, Lask taking on Liverpool. We'll also see Bayer Leverkusen taking on Haken at 12.45. Sheriff versus Roma. We've got West Ham taking on TSC. Ajax versus Marseille. Rangers will host AEK Athens. Or Brighton hosts AEK Athens. And Rangers will take on Real Betis. That was a mouthful. Sorry, guys. It's early. <laughs> yeah, it's a load. I'm getting, I'm getting, getting through it all. Um, but let's chat about... Brighton, because this is the first time that we are going to see them competing in Europe, which is wild. And considering that their good start to the season, I feel like when you look at these teams that are competing in Europa League, Brighton, despite them being debutants in this, are perhaps one of the favorite teams in this. Is that fair to say? It is fair to say. Um, they create the most chances. Uh, if you just watch the match against Manchester United at Old Trafford, they absolutely bossed it. And they have a young team. They're well-coached, well-managed. But then you look at some of the players that have taken off under Deserby and Sully Marsh has been phenomenal. Evan Ferguson is now scoring goals left and right, being a, a, a true center forward. But Ansu Fati, getting him on loan, he looked so good. I, I, I anticipate him getting his first start for Brighton in this match. But he looked so good coming off the bench at Man United. His movement and He's not even on the same page yet as the rest of his teammates. He's still learning their tendencies. They're still learning him. I think I could see Ansu Fati really excelling in the, under this yeah, under Deserbi at Brighton. He's yes. very young. He's been playing in, a, in, in in one system and maybe not living up to expectation at, at Barcelona. But Brighton is very good at getting the best out of players, developing players, really understand football, collectiveness, um, almost like a an academy because they see the potential in mm -hmm. players and through the Zerbi, they really get the best out of them. And consider that on Sunday, the Zerbi made a couple of substitutions that might hint that, hey, let's put my strongest team out for Thursday in, in Europa League. Because Ferguson, did he come in? He was injured, let's remember, uh, before the international mm -hmm. break. And then he, he came in. Um, and I wonder, like Ansu Fati, maybe he'll start uh, today. Imagine... Start. Three years ago, I told you that a young superstar who wasn't finding their way exactly at Barcelona would leave and would purposely choose Brighton as the place to go. Would you have told me I was absolutely out of my mind? I mean, that just goes to show what uh, Deserby's been on the job since September 18th of it's last year. It's been about a year. It's a year and two days, yeah. a year and three days. What an absolute shift for Brighton as a club to have this man at the helm. And what a difference he has made where a young player like Anansu Fati could see that their future is better off at the hands of Deserbi. And to think they got paid millions of pounds to let Graham Potter go. Oh, just incredible. to Deserbi. But and not go. only that. And where's Graham Potter a year on? No, Sitting no on a beach. But it's, <laughs> it's not only they're okay with letting managers go for millions. Give me the money. Okay, we'll find a new manager. They're, they're two best players, arguably. Yeah. Caicedo, Magali, said, you know what? Not arguably. Yeah, okay, they're fine. Two they're two best players, players literally. Business. Chao, give, me, give me the business. millions of dollars and, and, and we won't skip a beat. And, and look how much better Magali said. Magali said at Boga, mind you, was playing on the left wing. He was more like of a left winger 
cut inside, shoot. And then at Brighton, he flourished. We saw so many different characteristics of his game playing centrally. Mm -hmm. And then he translated that to a similar role with the Argentina national team where he really wasn't an important component to the team up until the World Cup. Shows up at the World Cup because after the Saudi Arabia game, the script went like that. Mm. Man, and he... And, Seamless. What about Kukureya? It, it looked incredible. Get to move to Chelsea. Not looking great. It seems like if you, if there's a system in place, there is, there is something to be had, whether it's the analysis, the, the coaching team does, figuring out the best way to use certain players. I mean, for years on, they've been selling their best players. At this point, it's not even business. You said it's business. It's starting to feel like a finesse. No. Maybe, maybe even the Kukureya thing is just about... Chelsea at the moment. No, it's, who, it's phenomenal business. It's no, what I'm saying. It's a. It's even better than business. This is this is business at the it, highest it, level that we well have seen in the Premier League. It's well studied. There's great anticipation. They, Scouting they, network. From from what I've read, Everything. I believe they have dockets of players that okay. Once he's not on the team, we know where the potential replacement is. And they go out, look, they lost Cucureya, and then they get a Stupinian, like that. They got him from Bayer Leverkusen. The so Athletic put an article nice. recently that said Brighton. The, uh, what is it, Brighton, what Manchester United's money can't buy. Wow. Wow. Jeez, that's oh, wow. Brighton. <laughs> wow, <laughs> athletic. Go on, Brighton. Calm down. That, that hits hard. Dang. And, Dang. And it's not only Brighton, but the ownership group. You know who else they own that is doing something similar on a much lesser scale? Union Saint-Gilloise. Look at how Boniface has come. Ad uh, Adingra, who's on Brighton right now, was at Union Saint-Gilloise. It's, uh, it's very smart. But mm -hmm. Paul Barber is the, the chairman at Brighton. And, and when I think about someone who I had a chance to, I think a couple years ago, do, do a conference with him and, and hear how he selected Grand Potter, how, they built, how he's helped build this club. And it's incredible how they have a system that they stick to. And yes, analysis plays a big role in, in finding players, curating uh, a, a big group to choose from but making sure that everyone understands that this is a, a, a club that is trying to grow, to be a family, to, to have performances where people can build into it, and it's sustainable. I think sustainability is the biggest thing when you watch Brighton, that this isn't a one-year thing. This is a business plan, it's moving, and it's, it's bigger than one man, or bigger than one coach, bigger than one player, and it's gonna keep going. The way that you find, find, identify talent usually in Europe, we say Benfica, Porto, PSV, Ajax, some other Portuguese clubs, some other Dutch clubs. Never was a Premier League team. That's what I said. You should never like see this in the Premier League. This is incredible. Incredible. You guys just didn't want me to talk about Liverpool, did you? Oh, Liverpool. Liverpool's oh a favorite. Liverpool has quality to I, win. I, I did. Liverpool's <laughs> not in the semi-final, then what's the point of playing this We tournament? didn't get to talk about Bayer Leverkusen either. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, also, a Liverpool connection with Xavi Alonso as the coach. I see what's happening at this desk, and <laughs> wow. I don't like it. Yeah. And you wore your Jurgen. I know. My God. <laughs> I get con consistently disrespected on this show. It's fine, though. Should we look at some Conference League matches before we go to break? I'm not saying it. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. I thought that you want to talk about Liverpool. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'll keep my thoughts to myself. Uh, Nico, what, what match in particular should people be excited about when you look at these? <laughs> Uh, the big teams really are Aston Villa, who are in the capital of Poland against Legia Warszawa. Eintracht Frankfurt, again, is one of the strongest teams against Aberdeen. A fun game, Club Brugge against Besiktas. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of agree with what? Hank 
Fiorentina, Mark McKenzie, American, <laughs> U.S. International. Fiorentina. Listen, if you, had, if, you had, Fiorentina? if you had on three fingers, if you had to choose favorites to win this competition oh. that are in the group stage right now, oh. Villa Frankfurt, Fiorentina. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We'll feature them on the Golasso show today. There you go. There's the plug we were waiting for. All right. <laughs> All right, guys, we're taking a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to chat some U.S. women's national team ahead of their friendly against South Africa. Stay with us. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back to Morning Quiddy presented by Degree. It won't let you down. Well, tonight, the U.S. Women's National Team will face off against South Africa at TQL Stadium, the first of two friendlies against South Africa in what will be their first match since the disappointing showing at the World Cup. Uh, lots of familiar faces on the roster. One that's very familiar will be playing in her final match, and that is Julie Ertz. A 10-year professional career saw her win two World Cups yesterday. She addressed the media ahead of what will be her final match wearing the crest. Like anything that this sport takes is sacrifice. And I think time with my family is just irreplaceable, especially with just where Madden is in his age. And I've learned that after every tournament, obviously very successful one or not, it's always like, what's next? What's next? Like, I just feel like this sport is so incredible because you just can always grow as a player and you always want to get better. There's always the next opportunity. And you know, my, your whole career as an athlete, you're like, I just, I don't want to regret anything. And I think you just, when I get to a point to be able to choose myself when I could step away and I do feel like I could step away and be like, it's not because mama can't play, mama can play. <laughs> she just has just adapted my priorities. And I think that just comes with age and just, I, I, I feel like I've, been such so blessed to have um the career that I've had but two professional athletes living in a household and incredible memories and yeah I think it is like emotional I think you yes it but then there's just some part in your heart that is just like you just know and I think that is closure enough for me um and I think that's why I'm just so grateful to have this last game to just close the chapter and say bye but I don't know I feel like if I retired five years ago, if I retired in 10 years, like the day that you choose the sport that you know your whole life is just a sad day. <laughs> oh, wow. Powerful world words from Julie Ertz. And what a career she has had. A two-time World Cup champion, 122 appearances for the U.S. She was a two-time U.S. Soccer Young Female Player of the Year. Uh, just when you think about a player like that and how important she has been to the U.S. women's national team. And she said it, you know, she said, mama can still play. <laughs> but it is, I, that really hit home to me what she said about just kind of the reprioritizing your life and thinking about what actually matters. And for her to be able to take a step back, assess the things that are in her life and say, this is going to be the best decision for me 
and for my family, even though I know I can still play at a, at a high level, I think is a really beautiful thing. I think going out on your own terms is, it has to feel so good, right? Charlie, like as a, as a player, like for you to be the one, rather than having it be an injury that decides mm-hmm. it, you know, for you to say, no, this is my time to, to walk away. How, how beneficial is that for a player? Well, peace of mind. Uh, she obviously has achieved so much in, in the sport and in her career. But I think what's remarkable is to come back after giving birth, mm. get into a World Cup, and having already won a World Cup, just being a tremendous athlete, but it seems like she's an even better person. And I think what stands out to me is every, all of her teammates and former teammates, how they talk about her, how they reference her as... You know, you, I think whenever you're done playing, you want to have a positive legacy. You want people to, to remember how you were as a player, how you made them feel. And not only did she empower her teammates, but they all said, you know what? If I'm going to battle, she's by my side. She's a warrior. She's a competitor. And that's all you could ask for, leaving it all on the pitch and, and having your teammates respect you for that. So um, in terms of what she is as a mother, I mean, that's incredible to say, I've done what I need to do for my career. It's not about me anymore. It's about mm. my family. And I put, and they come first. Yeah. And, and it's got to be an incredibly tough thing to do to play at the level she plays at when your heart maybe is not fully in it and your priorities have shifted. And you say, you know what, maybe I'm better off not playing. I mean, that, that's got to be a really tough decision for any athlete whose whole life. You, know, you think back, she was the captain of the women's U21 uh, World Cup win, winning team in 2012. You know, to have a career that starts off that way and have it be so essential and so important, probably your entire life that you can really remember, to get to a point where you're like, you know what, I think I'm done. Yeah. It's almost like, wow, she's still a leader. She's making that decision before anyone else will. She's deciding to move on. That's, it, it feels bittersweet because you want to see there's still meat left on the bone, so to speak. Right? She still has skill left, and she still has so much to give to the sport. But, hey, she's ready to move on. I kind of, I kind of applaud her for that. I see a Juilliard speak with maturity, clarity, gratitude. She's 31, but life, especially when you have a bond between a mother and a child, it does present different priorities, but she says, I'm gonna walk away from football before football walks away from me. And the human body is so incredible how she gives birth, comes back to play elite level football, um, is incredible. Mm -hmm. It's an extraordinary feat of humanity, of womanhood, and I applaud her for such an incredible legacy in, in, women's soccer, and soccer in general. Um, and, and the way that she speaks, I see that she's at peace. Like you said, peace of mind. She, it's sad, but she's confident. She knows that what she's doing is the right thing. So mm. congrats to the Earths on yeah. an untouchable career. Yeah, I'm story, a story so, career. so happy for her, and I'm really excited to see the reception that she receives tonight. I think it's going to be super, it. super special. Um, quickly, looking ahead to the match tonight, obviously it's a friendly, uh, but considering the early exit from the World Cup and kind of wanting to get that bad taste out of the mouth, what, what do you hope you see tonight, Alexis? Uh, I hope I see a, a, a unit that is unified from the, defend, from the defenders all the way to the forwards. You know, I think one of the, if you look back at the Women's World Cup, one of the things that disturbed me the most, it seemed so, uh, so distant, you know, from the back line to the midfield, there was no real connection. I hope to see that dynamism that we've seen in the past, and also the dynamism that a lot of other nations are now showing in the women's game. I hope to see a team that is stepping up and showing, hey, 
that, that squad you saw at the World Cup. If what we hear is true, that there was a little bit of mutiny and the team, the team was like, All right, you saw what we did here. This wasn't what you told us to do, coach. We're going to do it this way. I want to see that. I want to see more of that. Ashley Sanchez. Let's see her. <laughs> yeah. Jaden Shaw. Jaden Shaw. Jaden Shaw. That's your girl, Chuck. I've been calling her from the beginning. I, I spotted her when she was making moves with, with the San Diego Wave the way she could cut inside, shoot from distance. She has that burst of, of, of speed. She can change the, her pace. I think that's one player that's so dynamic and the potential is through the roof. Just got, has to get going. And, and consistency has probably mm -hmm. been the thing that's been holding her back right now in the NWSL. She's young, but to get that first taste of, of international football with the best, I think that's really gonna help her. Love it, great stuff. The U.S. Women's National Team taking on South Africa tonight at 7.30 p.m. on TNT. We're gonna take a break, but when we come back, Mbizo's Mane is going hey, to join us. We love him, exactly. and we are going to chat a little bit about the U.S.'s opponent tonight. Stick around, we'll be right back. Bayana, Bayana. Bayana, Bayana. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Morning Footy presented by Degree. It won't let you down. Well, South Africa's women's team advanced to the round of 16 in this year's Women's World Cup after taking down Italy in what would be their first win in a World Cup and making them the first South African team, men or women's, to advance out of the group stage. They'll face the U.S. Women's National Team tonight. And for more on the South African women's team, we are so delighted to bring in our good friend Mbizo Zamani. Mbizo, how are you? Great to see you. Great to see you too, folks. How you guys doing? We are fantastic. Better now that you're here. Um, let's chat about this South African women's team because what a story. They were one of the best stories that we saw in the, this Women's World Cup. They get that massive win over Italy. We saw the celebrations. We saw what it meant to the entire country. Um, can you kind of talk a little bit about what the reaction was like in, in South Africa and kind of how their performance in this World Cup has affected the women's game in that country. Yes, absolutely. Well, it was a scintillating performance and, and certainly one we did not expect as, as Banyana Banyana fans, as unfortunately uh, very abused South Africa fans who've gone through some troubled times with our national team. Uh, but it has certainly lifted uh, the belief in the nation, not only in the women's game, but in our footballing capacity in, in general. I mean, historic, uh, historic uh, a victory, historic progression uh, in, into the knockout rounds. And uh, really, we hope that it's a springboard for the development of the women's game in the country. And, uh, and I've mentioned it before, and I'll, I'll make sure I mention it again, uh, that we really need to begin to, to pump more resources uh, into developing the infrastructure and structure for the women's game. So who on the South African team could pose problems for the U.S. women's national team? Uh, well, I think the one that I would probably focus on is obviously uh, Atembi. 
uh, and she's actually plying her trade in the USA, and she's an absolutely uh, spectacular player. Um, uh, pacey, clever, um, so much skill, and, and, and she's a kind of player where even if uh, what we expect will happen will, which is that USA will dominate the game, she's the kind of player that can surprise them uh, on the break with her individual brilliance, uh, with her mastery of the ball, uh, and uh, frankly, I hope that she can do that and, and disappoint the red, white, and blue. Um, I want to ask a little bit about the coach, Coach Ellis. What, did, what do you think she's done to get this team playing so incredibly well? Uh, we owe her a lot. We owe her a lot. I mean, th this this entire team has been in large part because of her resilience, because of her commitment, uh, and really because of her genius. Uh, uh, she's a great tactician. Uh, she's been able to to set up the team to play uh, against superior sides in a way that really um, makes South Africa a formidable force. Uh, they're playing uh, together. They're collaborating. Uh, there's there's a a great. Um, there's a great vibe in this team, and, and, and she's in large part to, to, um, to credit for that. Amizo, so I want to roll it back a little bit just to get some clarity. During the World Cup, we spoke to you, and you had mentioned all these problems with the Federation. They have a great performance. But what ended up being the fallout uh, between the, the Federation and, and the national team after such a successful World Cup? Did, did the players get what they were demanding? Is there a shift in, in, in tone? You say you're hopeful about these resources being uh, pumped into women's soccer in South Africa, but is that really the case? Is that where this is all going? Well, for the time being, I think people are still trying to revel in uh, the performance of the team. I think both sides are trying to uh, resolve any situations that still linger in an amicable fashion, um, which is being done. But it's very much behind the scenes, uh, which uh, I, for one, uh, I'm a supporter of. I think that uh, it being dealt with in this uh, diplomatic fashion, uh, sort of uh, indoors, uh, behind closed doors, uh, is a bit better for the team morale, for the nation's morale. Uh, and uh, I think what we'll will still keep a very close eye on whether or not the, the FA uh, is keeping their word uh, uh, as towards uh, certain promises that they've made towards the side and their commitment to growing the women's game uh, domestically, but also obviously for the national team. All right, time to switch topics. African players in Champions League. Talk to me about Victor Osman. Is Victor Osman the next big striker, the next big great to play in Champions League, to play in Europe as Africans have performed before? Because I'm hearing some birds chirping that we're saying he's, <laughs> he's potentially going to be the greatest of all time is what I'm hearing from you. Oof. I mean, what, what, what can I say that hasn't already been said about this guy? I mean, remembering that uh, around 10 years ago, uh, the guy was selling water in the streets of Lagos. Um, and, and now, all of a sudden, he's at the absolute pinnacle uh, of world football, obviously nominated um, as one of the best players in the world. Uh, he's broken uh, several uh, uh, records in the Serie A, including George Ware's uh, goal-scoring record, uh, Samuel Eto'o's goal-scoring record, Napoli uh, won their first uh, Scudetto in 33 years, largely in part to his contributions. I mean, we are talking about a guy who has speed, strength, athleticism, leadership. Uh, I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't stop gushing. Um, and, and I think, yes, certainly in the African landscape, um, he's already uh, one of the greatest of all time. Uh, and, and, and at his age, there's still more to come. And, and it's absolutely, uh, it's riveting. And Bizo, there was an argument sparked during our production <laughs> meeting because of Victor Osimhen's standings 
within the African greats, right? And right now in his career, would you put him in a top 10 greatest of all time? Be careful. Why, why, why are you guys doing this? Yeah, why are you guys doing this to me? Okay, um, I'll make it easier. Top 15. Okay. Top 15. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that did what you think it does, <laughs> but uh, I'll, 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 I'll go on it and, and say that. What we require of him to cement himself among those greats is a big AFCON performance. Uh, we on the continent very much value uh, your performances for your national team in the African landscape. Uh, we tend to think in many ways it's actually more difficult to perform at a high level in Africa because of many mitigating factors that are not only associated with the pitch. Uh, and so while we obviously uh, laud his performances in Europe, what we need to see is Nigeria do extremely well in the AFCON and Victor Osimen contribute to that uh, to that performance in order for us to start to uh, talk more confidently about his standing among the absolute African greats. Hey, he got himself out of that pretty well. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, you did. Uh, and since we're talking about strikers, African-Nigerian strikers, there's one on Leverkusen that have, has seemed to be taking taking storm and taking the Bundesliga by storm. Where do you see Victor Boniface going and in terms of his development? Because could this be a, a, a partnership that ends up being one of the best of all time in, in African football with Victor Boniface and Victor Osman playing together? Or is this two strikers competing against each other on the national team? No, no, Charlie, they absolutely have to play together. They absolutely have to play together. And, and I think uh, that's what uh, Roar should look to do, to look to cultivate that relationship, um, especially considering that they are slightly different. Uh, Victor is obviously a very clinical finisher, uh, great in the air, uh, likes to uh, stick around kind of the area and spearhead the attack in that way. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Boniface... Is, uh, is extremely versatile. Uh, he can drop into midfield. He's, he's great on the ball. He's creative. He has good vision. Uh, and so these are guys that can uh, truly complement each other and perhaps be, uh, at least in the Nigerian uh, context, uh, the, the greatest uh, partnership they've ever had uh, and among the greatest partnerships we've ever seen in world football. Charlie's hyped. I'm, I am hyped. I'm, I've been on guy. that bony face train since day one. Oh, to be fair, you have. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, man. And Bizo, it is always so great to see you. You are such a pro. We appreciate the time this morning. Come back and see us soon, okay? Absolutely. Can do. Thanks for having me, Hey, folks. the top is fire. <laughs> that top is fire. He always oh, brings you, the heat. U.S. Women's National Team for South Africa. 4-0. 4-0? 3-0. 3-0. I went 3-0. Oh, we're not, we'll no see. respect for South Africa here. You and me. All right, Sorry, guys. <laughs> Enjoy all the soccer. Thanks for watching. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day, everyone. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.